Good morning, everybody. It's good to see all of you out today, and I appreciate you uh, being here. And especially if you're a guest here, then uh, welcome. Good to have you with us today. Uh, we have been doing a series this summer on uh, transformation and transforming our lives. And I should mention, uh, welcome to August. We're in the month of August now, first Sunday in August. Last month, we had a month in which we were focusing on the Holy Spirit and basically dedicated the month of July to the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget the Holy Spirit in August uh, because we need to remember him all the time. But I wanted us to dedicate the month of August to the heart and think more about the heart. Because when you think about spiritual transformation, there's really two things, two ingredients that go into it. And one is the heart, us working on ourselves. And then the other is the agent, the divine agent of transformation is the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to work on all of us. But change is possible. And that's the, I, I guess that's the positive thought I want to give all of you today. Change is possible. Because I think sometimes we get in a rut. Sometimes we can fall off of that balancing beam, as Dominic was talking about. Thank you, Dominic, for the communion message. But we could fall off that balancing beam a little bit, a little too many times and think, well, I'll never get back up there again. But change is possible. And it happens because we give our hearts to God and because the Holy Spirit works on us. Uh, some of our people are in Florida right now at a conference, the World Discipleship Conference called Vision. Uh, Lee and I were there for a few days. It's uh, in Orlando. It's been going on for like a week and a half. Today is the, the last day. We came back on Thursday. And uh, if you haven't been to Central Florida in the month of August, don't go, okay? I mean, it, uh, it makes today seem uh, very cool and, uh, and not humid. It is so hot and humid there. Uh, but we had a good conference. It was a good time. It's basically people from all over the world disciples of Jesus from all over the world came to this conference and I don't know how many were there exactly I heard as many as 20,000 but I don't know if that number is accurate or not but uh, I bumped into a quite a few people so I know that there were a lot of people there and I wanted to begin my lesson today just uh, talking about a couple of points sharing with you a couple of points that I got from from the conference and then I want to talk transition to talk a little more about the heart um, but the conference for me was a conference in which I was able to connect with fellow church building teachers from around the world. Uh, I am a part of a ministry at, which is more of a teaching ministry. And so um, we get together and we try to help people understand the Bible better as well as train other teachers, as well as train some of our ministry people a little deeper uh, in the Bible. And uh, we have a, a core group from around the world that has, I think, about 16 people in it, something like that. And I happen to be a part of that group. So we met for a couple of days, and then we also had a workshop. And the workshop was very encouraging to me. It was mainly encouraging because uh, for this particular workshop, we had a room full of people. There were about 200 people in the room. And uh, over a third of the people or more, um, yeah, maybe... Yeah, I'd say over a third of the people were young, younger people, which is great. Because in the past, when the teachers got together, it'd be pretty much uh, just older people. And I would say about 25% of the people in the room were women. 
which is the largest attendance of women we've ever had at a uh, meeting like that. And so I was very encouraged by that and just to see the growth there. And it gave me hope for the future of, as far as the teaching ministry of our churches go. And I, we also had a graduation of a school that we have called the Rocky Mountain School of Ministry and Theology, in which uh, over the past couple of years, we graduated, um, I think, 14 or more students with master's degrees in Bible and counseling. And at this uh, graduation, we had, uh, there were 14 graduates, only six were able to get visas into the country because it's a very global ministry. But of those six, each one of them was from a different country. And so that was very cool to see. Uh, and it was just great to be a, a part of that. I happen to be the Dean of Bible. Uh, Dr. Irby is one of our professors there at the school in the counseling part of, uh, of our, our school. Uh, the rumor is, is that he's very, very hard, very difficult, uh, a bit unfair. No, <laughs> no. but I, was, I actually talked to students and, and Ryan, they, were, they felt great about being in your class. And so um, and it's awesome to have you as a fellow teacher teaching uh, with us there at the Rocky Mountain School. Um, but uh, an, an highlight, so that was a highlight, talking to so many teacher types. But another highlight was just meeting people from around the world. I, I um, fortunately have friends from around the world, from that are mainly students that I've taught, from the Philippines to India to Great Britain to many, many in Africa, uh, helping to train teachers in Africa. And uh, I came upon one day, we, the teachers, we were having dinner together, and I came across a table of, uh, of disciples from India, and one of them had taken three years of Greek with me. And we had never met in person before. We had always, had always been on, on screen. In fact, when I, when I taught that class, uh, it covered 14 time zones. And so uh, he would be like the first one waking up. He would wake up in the morning before sunlight, and then uh, the sun would come up as he was in the class. And we would always hear the rooster crow in the background. And we knew that the sun was rising in India as uh, we were uh, having that class with him. And so Abraham is his name. It was so encouraging to see Abraham. And then he, invite, he uh, introduced me to his whole table of friends and people from India. And you, you hear these stories uh, when you go to events like that that are just so in, encouraging and actually very phenomenal stories. But one of the brothers from India was telling me about his story. Uh, he's been a Christian for 25 years. And when he first studied the Bible and uh, became a Christian, he came from a Muslim background. And in his part of India, uh, the, it's, it's, it's very serious um, as far as the, the religious divide there. And so when he became a Christian, he had to leave home. He had to leave his home village uh, because they put out, um, basically they, they put out a bounty on his life um, to, to kill him. And not just the village people, but even his own family wanted to kill him because he became a Christian. And so he had to flee. He went um, uh, hundreds of miles away uh, without telling anybody in his family where he was going. And then for the past 20, 20, I think three years, he had nothing to do with his home village and nothing to do with his family out of fear for his life. He entered the ministry, was a part of the ministry, and was just um, living without knowing what was going on with his family at all. But then a couple of years ago, he just decided, you know what, 
I, I need to find out what's going on in the home. I need to find out about my parents. I need to find out about my family. And so he risked his own life to go back home to his home village to visit his, his mom and dad and to, village the, and, and to visit his family there. He didn't know how they would receive him. He didn't know if he would make it out alive or not. But he just thought, you know what? I have something here in my life that I need to share with people that, that raised me, people that I still love, even though they have rejected me. And so he made his way back to his home village. And he snuck in, literally snuck into the village and literally snuck into his own home, his own childhood home. His mom and dad were still alive. His dad was now very elderly. It's been 23 years uh, since he had seen him. And he, his dad, instead of uh, being angry, instead of being upset, warmly embraced him and welcomed him back to the home. But the story doesn't end there. He risked even more with his family by sharing the gospel with his dad and by telling his dad about why he was a Christian. And then his dad became a Christian. His dad accepted the faith, his dad was baptized, and his dad became a Christian. And now, two years later, his dad is very sick. He's um, basically at the point of death right now. But this, this brother was so excited about talking about his dad and even his dad passing right now because he said, you know what? I didn't see my dad for about 23 years. And when he passes, I know that he's going to be waiting for me in heaven. And I, I'm so excited that he's my brother in Christ right now. And I just heard that. And I, I'm, honestly, I was blown away. I was blown away because of his conviction. And I was blown away because of, I just saw the joy on his face talking about a family member that he thought would never become a disciple. In fact, he thought when he left home, he would never see him again. But a family member becoming a Christian, his dad becoming his brother in Christ. And it reminded me of the joy we need to have in our hearts of reaching out to people and helping people to become disciples of Christ. It reminded me of the joy that I've had in my life of studying the Bible with people and seeing people change their lives, the transformation that can come because of Jesus. And so that story and other stories reminded me that, you know what, we are on a mission and we are a part of a mission. And yet I think sometimes it's easy for us to lose that because we have each other and because it's very easy to meet together and because um, we have close relationships it's, I, sometimes we can forget, you know what, it's not about me just transforming my life this summer. And we can just get internal that way. Oh yeah, I've got uh, June, July, and August to work on me. Instead of thinking about who am I going to help transform this summer? As I transform myself, can I help other people be transformed this summer? And then to think about just reaching out to people. And so as we think about the heart this month, one of the things I want us to start with is just the heart of the mission and the heart of evangelism and the heart of helping people. And us to think about, do we have a heart for the lost? 
Do we have the same heart for the loss that we had when we first became Christians? I know that it's very easy to get out of shape in this particular area. And I think especially coming out of COVID, it's very difficult to reach out to people. We're just not in shape doing it. And so this story reminded me, you know what? I need to reach out to people. I need to uh, share what I know with other people. And as I'm transforming myself, I need to think about how to help other people be transformed in Christ. I think most of us know, especially if you've been around the church for uh, very long at all, we know Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And we know that it's the Great Commission. And yet, do we still keep it on our hearts? And do we still practice it as if it is the Great Commission for us? It is the last thing that Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, probably the last thing that Jesus said at all. Uh, and he gives his disciples uh, at the end of Matthew this charge. And so if you know the Great Commission by heart, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I want you to say it with me. Now, we won't get exactly the same because we'll say it in different translations, okay? But I'll go slowly and it's just let's do it as best as we can together right now, okay? So it starts off with, and Jesus said to them, you guys with me? Okay. All authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. Okay, and I was looking around and I noticed that, especially some people that have been around the church for 30 years or more, we have it down. We've got it. And it's not because we've been practicing it for 30 years. Um, it's because when we became disciples, it was just part of who we were. I mean, you didn't come out to church without knowing the Great Commission. <laughs> <laughs> it was just one of the first verses we memorized as a community and as a people of God. But we haven't talked about the Great Commission as much uh, in recent years. And so I would imagine if you've been around the church maybe five years or less, it's not something that you've worked on memorizing. Because we used to actually, and this was a very long time ago, I'm talking now 35 years ago, okay, close to you're getting close to four decades ago. And we used to memorize scriptures and we had tests on those scriptures, okay? I mean, we had classes, uh, there was one class called the equipping uh, class where we memorized 36 scriptures in one semester. And you were expected to know the scriptures, know them by heart, write them out and not miss a word, okay? Uh, it was, it, in some ways it was incredibly awesome because it grounded us in the Bible. In other ways, it was, it was pressurized. <laughs> it was very stressful in other ways, because uh, you came into those, and you did, that somebody might call on you to stand up and quote the scripture in front of everyone, and you just had to be ready to do it. And so there was some good and bad with it all, but ultimately, when you get the Bible in your heart, that's a really, really good thing. 
And this is a scripture that all of us do, one of the first scriptures um, that we ever learn. And so what I want us to do is, as we think about the heart and transforming our own hearts, is us to remember the Great Commission. And us think about, okay, how am I doing this summer helping other people to learn about Jesus and helping other people to learn about God? Um, let me talk about the heart for a minute now. The heart is all over the Bible, and it is the battleground for transformation, whether we're talking about us personally or we're talking about people around us. The heart is where the fight is. In the Bible, the heart is found over 500 times. Um, and uh, the word hearts, plural, is found over 200 times. So if you do the math, 500 plus 200, that's 800, no, I'm that's over 700 times um, that the word heart is found in the Bible. Now get this, the word grace is found in the Bible 131 times. The word soul is found in the Bible 129 times. The word mind is found in the Bible 121 times. And the word faith, do you think that's a word that would be all over the Bible? And in a sense it is. It's found more than those other three words. It's found 270 times. But here's the thing. If you add the references to the words grace, soul, mind, and faith, they appear less together than the word heart is found in the Bible, which shows that the word heart is a very important word to God. The heart is... It is who we are as a person, it's our mind, it's our personality, it's our will, it's our intention. All of this is wrapped up in the word heart. Um, in the Hebrew, it's the word lev, and in the Greek, it's the word cardia. You probably hear the word cardiac there, because cardiac and cardia are basically the same thing. Uh, we get our word uh, cardiac from the Greek, which means heart. Um, and the heart is our drive, it's our motivation, it's our energy. And so it is the battleground for transformation. Dallas Willard writes this, we live from the heart. The part of us that drives and organizes our lives is not the physical. This remains true even if we deny it. You have a spirit within you and it has been formed. It has taken a specific character. I have a spirit and it has been formed. This is true of everyone. And this is why we need spiritual transformation or spiritual reformation. Because we have a heart inside of us, our drive, our will, our energy. It's been formed by all kinds of outside forces, but we need God to form it. And we need God's spirit to form it. So our heart is, is our drive, our heart, organizes our lives, our heart is central to our well-being, our heart is our will, our desire, our emotion, our intellect, our personality, our personhood. Our heart is, is what makes us be who we are as people, and God wants our heart above everything else because it's who we are. And before we do anything, we need to give God our heart, and that's why the study of the heart is so important to us. If, if our heart is first given to God, then everything else will follow. I wanna say that again. 
if you give your heart to God, really give your heart to God, then everything else will follow. Everything else ought to come from first, you giving your heart to God. Bible study, evangelism, prayer, our life groups, our relationships, all of that comes from us giving our heart to God. If we think that those things are going to lead our heart to God, there's a little bit of that's the, that, is, that is true. But ultimately, we've got to make a decision. My heart is given to God. And so I'll do these things for him. The heart is about being. And it's a little bit about doing, but not as much about doing as about being. It's about being God's person. It's about being filled with God's spirit. It's about being um, a disciple of Jesus and loving Jesus. It's about being who we are. So if we have a heart for God, then we don't just go out and do evangelism. We are evangelistic. We share our lives with people because that's who we are as God's people. Um, we don't just give weekly contribution. We live sacrificial lives because we've given our heart to God. We don't join a mission team because we are already missionaries. That's who we are as God's people. This is about having a heart for God. Now, Francis Fenelon, who is one of my favorite spiritual writers, he was a 17th century French mystic, okay? Which is what I wanna be when I grow up. I wanna be a 17th century French mystic. That just sounds so cool. Um, but I really love Francis Fenelon. And he writes this, perfect devotion requires us not only to do the will of God, but to do it with love. God loved, God's love for us to give, um, God loves for us to give to him joyfully. In everything he tells us to do, he always asks for our heart. I read that line again. In everything he asks us to do, he always asks for our heart. Such a master is worthy of joyful service. So again, the battleground for spiritual transformation is our heart. And there's a war going on right now for your heart. There are influences all around you that want to take your heart, your drive, your will, and your emotion. But ultimately, we need to give it to God and let God work on us. I want to consider two passages, and then the lesson will be yours, okay? I'm not speaking very long today. I know it's warm out. But I'll give you two passages, and both of these passages talk about how God searches our hearts. The first is in Romans 8, 27. We just studied Romans 8 together. I thought that was a great study together. I'm really thankful for Ryan Irby's contribution to that and McCullough the last two Sundays uh, contributing to that. But in Romans 8, 27, it says, and he who searches our heart knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. That he is God. God searches the heart. Right now, that's what God is doing. God is a God who looks at our hearts to see what's there. Okay, and also in Revelation 2, verse 23, there's a passage that says pretty much the same thing. It says, I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the heart and mind, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. That's a letter actually to one of the churches. 
talking about false prophets. And he says, God is the God who searches the heart. God searches our heart. And here's the thing, and this is the point I want to make. So if you haven't heard anything yet, zero in on this, okay? Since God searches our hearts, we need to search our hearts as well. We need to take some time for self-examination just to see what's in our heart. Because the heart is the seat of our motivation. And motivation is everything, really. Um, it, it's, what, it's what drives us. It's what helps us make decisions. It's what helps us say no to something and yes to something else. And that's our heart. We need to search our hearts. Why? Because God searches the heart. When, I was, when we were at this conference, there was one speaker who was uh, doing a class for, it was a huge auditorium class, and he made this statement. He said, um, it was right in the middle of his sermon, but he said, if Jesus were to come back right now, would he take you with him? And that, a lot of people in the audience, a lot of people went, ooh, and others went, ah. Like, oh, wow, that's such a tough question. And ooh. But I was sitting by my daughter, Chelsea, and we looked at each other and we went, yeah? <laughs> we were just like, yeah, of course Jesus is going to take us with him. Because we searched our hearts. And we know that we're following Jesus. And we know that it's not about what we're doing anyway. It's all about the grace of God. And so even if I messed up a little bit yesterday, God's going to forgive that because he knows where my heart is because I've searched my heart. And so that question didn't take us back at all. Um, if Jesus comes, I, I know where my heart is. I know I love God. I know Jesus is my Lord. I know that um, I'm saved by the grace of God through the blood of Jesus. I cling to that grace every day. And, you know, as Dominic was saying, it, it's grace that motivates me, that drives me, that keeps me going. And so, yeah, if Jesus were to split open <laughs> this pavilion right now, um, then I would be here just waiting for him. You know, okay, take me on up with you um, because that's where my heart is. And um, yet I know there are things that I need to continually work on and continually change, but I, I know internally and inside of me, I am committed to Jesus and to the grace of God, and that's where I live. That is my foundation of where I live my life. And John himself said, that's the same guy that wrote Revelation in his, one, in his first letter, said, these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. So the Gospels are written, the, the message of Jesus is written for us to have some certainty about the fact that if Jesus were to come, we would go with him. We would be saved that these things are written so we can have some certainty but i'm asking us all let's search our hearts and make sure that we um we know that we're with god because that needs to be our motivation that that we're saved by by grace however there is another question that i think is a little more difficult to answer um and for me right now, it's the question of, okay, I know where my heart is, but how am I doing helping other people get their heart to God? How am I doing in my own life and in my own walk with God, helping other people transform their lives? 
And I think that as a church, this is where we are also. I just feel like, you know, we are, when, if, if we were to, you know, take a survey and, um, or if we were to have an open discussion and we were just to say, okay, how are we doing sharing our faith with other people? We would have to admit it's an area we need to work on as a community, as a group of people. Are we studying the Bible with other people? Think about your own life group. Do you have studies going on with other people in your life group? Do you have people from your life group that are coming out to church? Do you share what you know with other people? You know, let's search our hearts on this because it is a heart issue. How much we love God and how much we love other people. Are we as committed today to sharing what we know with people as we ever have been in our Christian walk? Um, and are we praying to meet people, people that are actually looking for Jesus, that want to know about Jesus? And as a community, are we making a difference in people's lives around us? I, 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 like, well, I like reading novels, all kinds of novels, but I also like, part of that is I like science fiction novels, okay? Prefer fantasy, that's like J.R.R. Tolkien, over science fiction. I feel like I just lost everyone in this reference right here, okay? So I'll, I'll get through this point very quickly here, okay? Um, in science fiction, anything can happen. That's one of the reasons I like science fiction, because if you ever saw Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Spock dies. If you saw Star Trek III, he comes back to life, okay? And that's what happens in science fiction. You don't know if a person's really dead or not. It's just anything can happen in science fiction. So in science fiction, you can actually meet your own clone in science fiction. Now, hang with me here, okay? Don't, don't lose me yet. Um, there's a, there, one of my favorite novels, science fiction novels, is called Joshua, Son of Nun. It's actually based on a biblical reference. Joshua, uh, the leader of uh, Israel, was his father's name was Nun. So Joshua, son of Nun, is in the Bible. But it, does, it has nothing to do with that. It's about, it's about a scientist who finds the um, DNA for John F. Kennedy and clones John F. Kennedy, thinking that he was the perfect leader. Let me bring him back to life, and we will have the perfect leader all over again. The thing is, whenever somebody is, is, is cloned, they have that DNA, but the influence in their life can be totally different than the person that um, started with that DNA. Okay, you still with me? No, you weren't with me from the beginning, but I'm gonna finish this illustration anyway, all right? I'm, I'm not gonna let go yet, because I'm gonna make, this is gonna come around to a point where you will have that aha moment. You'll be, whoa, that is so, anyway, here we go. We'll get there. <laughs> so imagine someone clones you, okay? We're living in a sci-fi world, and imagine someone clones you. And you're walking down the street of Newburgh, or you're walking down the street of New City, or you're walking through the park here in the morning, and you bump into yourself. It is an identical image of yourself. And you're taken aback, but you, you gain your, your uh, composure enough to say, wow, who are you? And you are really handsome, are you? <laughs> no, but wow, who are you? And you start talking to this person and you start conversing and sharing ideas and sharing stories and sharing backgrounds. And you find out that 
you, that person is an exact clone of you, although they didn't go to school where you went to school, they didn't have the family that you had, they don't even like the same music that you like or enjoy the same books that you like because all of that influence was different in their life. And you have this conversation with them. Now, here's the question I want you to think about. Based on where you are right now in your spiritual walk, sharing the gospel with strangers and sharing the gospel just in a cold contact way with someone that you've never met before, if you bumped into yourself in the park, would you share your faith with yourself? Yeah, you can go, you can go, hmm, yeah, yeah. Because that's a conviction we need to have. It's something we ought to be practicing. In fact, it's something that we ought to be. It's who we ought to be as people, that we're just naturally sharing Jesus. We find ways in conversations to share Jesus with other people. But I know for me personally, I'm out of shape with this. And I know for me personally, it's something that I need to work on in my heart here in the month of August. I just need to pray more about it, think more about it. I have a little assignment for you uh, for this week, all right? A little assignment. I know some people don't like these summer school assignments, but nevertheless, we're all in summer school right now. And uh, the assignment is pretty easy. If you haven't memorized Matthew 28, 18 through 20, memorize the Great Commission, okay? Now, for some of you, that's not an assignment because you have it memorized. So if you have it memorized, then say it to yourself every morning as you're reading your Bible or you're saying your morning prayer or you're having your cup of coffee. Just say it every morning to yourself and then do your best to live it out the rest of the day. And let's all decide here this month, we're gonna give our hearts to God, but we're also gonna give our hearts to God when it comes to this idea of sharing Jesus with people around us. And let's wake up and let's be a community that is a community that shares Jesus with people around us. Thank you.